Today is Wednesday, August 9th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. The Alabama Riverboat Brawl sparks a nationwide debate. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Do your part. Subscribe and give a rating. You can also email us. We'd love to hear from you. Quick Start Podcast at CBN.org. And joining me now, the triumvirate's back after a couple days of uh, not being full force. Tregons Phillips and Billy Hallowell, what's up on this hump day, fellas? How's it going? It's nice to see you both here. Yeah. Good to be here, all back together. Seems like it's been too long, you know? Indeed. Yeah, we're not long enough, depending on who you ask. Well, Indeed it true. has. Now, Depends on the day, too, you know? We're going to get into this riverboat brawl in a minute. Did you guys see the video? No, I saw I saw I saw still shots. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I've only seen pictures. I haven't seen the it's, actual footage. Well, I watched it for you all so that I can break <laughs> it all down. But it is pure madness. There are no heroes in this story, even though the media would like to portray that there are some. We'll break it all down in a few minutes. Uh, also coming up on the main thing, Bob Fu, the founder of China Aid, talking about why he and his wife launched their ministry good conversation there and what do we have coming up on the focus story we are going to be talking about a prominent pastor who has some things to say about biblical illiteracy and the antichrist that's a combination so <laughs> that's, gonna be, that's it, an it, interesting one all right looking provoking yes yeah. looking forward to that so we got a lot to get through we're going to start right here with the news in 90 seconds an altercation unfolded at an Alabama riverfront park over the weekend that turned into a massive brawl and ended up sparking claims of racism and created intense debate online. A lot of bystanders caught the incident on video. The mayor, Stephen Reed, condemned the attackers and urged a thorough police investigation. Police did arrive at the scene. It took them some time, however, to calm down the situation which saw women getting beaten, people getting kicked and punched and tossed into the water. The whole thing began when a group of boaters parked their boat illegally in the path of a larger riverboat. And so this riverboat then tries to dock. It can't because the boat's in the way. The owners of the boat get in an argument with one of the workers for the riverboat, and it all devolves from there. Four warrants have been issued and more might follow as additional video evidence is reviewed. The Supreme Court has temporarily blocked a lower court order that prevented the government from regulating ghost guns as firearms under federal law. The Biden administration's request to maintain the regulations during ongoing legal challenges has been granted. The vote was 5-4 with Chief Justice John Robertson, Amy Coney Barrett joining three liberal justices. And Danish evangelist Torben Sondergaard now faces possible deportation. You can read that full story over at cbnnews.com. Gentlemen, all right, the riverboat brawl. So I kind of got through the summary of what happened here. People were definitely appear to be in the wrong, parking their boat in the where they weren't supposed to park it. And on video, you see the owners of the boat and one of the workers who got sent down from the boat to tell them, you know, hey, we got to get this boat out of here. They're jawing back and forth when one of the boat owners just hauls off and shoves and hits the hits the worker, and then it just devolves from there. So then you have a bunch of these people fighting. 
against just this one worker. And then that's when one guy, actually a worker from the, because the big riverboat hadn't docked yet. It's still kind of not far from the dock. One of the workers leaps off the boat, Forrest Gump style, and swims over to the dock to jump up and join the fight. A few other people join the fight. And then it just devolves from there and it gets out of control. But what's really crazy, guys, is now this has devolved into a race issue because a lot of the boat workers were black. The boat owners were white. And so it just naturally it's going to start that conversation. But this just looked like a dispute and a bunch of idiots fighting and making. I'm not sure what prompted them to hit the guy that the worker didn't do anything other than talk to them. And so, but then you see people taking chairs and hitting, there were women in there trying to just, I don't know what they were doing or saying things. They didn't appear to be doing much. You just see them get hit and people are falling into the water. I mean, it's a whole debacle. And it was one thing to sort of defend this guy, the worker. It felt like he should have been defended because there were multiple people who were threatening him and hit him actually. So he was well within his right to defend. But then what happened was once all these other people started coming in, they just started just beating people and hitting them with chairs. There was no threat at that point anymore once it was like a lot of people around. But then the violence continued. And so you could have been in the right. And I heard that's what I wanted to talk to you guys about because you heard people on videos saying they were wrong. They were wrong, the first people, and they were wrong. But at what point do you stop just defending and then just beating on people? So the whole thing was a mess. Well, like what I don't understand, I mean, there's so many things I don't get about this. (laughs) Unless you're defending yourself or someone else from imminent harm, how is it that as an adult, you're in any kind of brawl? And then how is it that you see the brawl And you're apparently so interested in it that you hop off of a boat and swim. I mean, that's determination to get to the fight so you could participate in it. Yeah. The fact that these are not six-year-olds and that they're adults is shocking. Yes. 100%. Yeah. The other thing that, so whenever we see brawls like this, I don't, nine times out of 10 when I see them, they're either at at Waffle House or (laughs) um, in like a theme park somewhere. Yeah. And every time I see them, you think that it's children, but it's not children. It's always <laughs> adults. When I see it theme, alone, Trey. It's like when I see it at theme parks, I'm thinking, oh, kids, like teens probably got into a brawl <laughs> right, of some yeah. kind. Never. No. It's never the it's children. Always or at like a youth sporting event. You yeah, a brawl breaks out. Of, yeah, it's always the parents that ended up doing the brawl. Like, the kids don't care. How are you that mad? How are you that mad I about write. anything? Well, See, that's where the boat owners were completely wrong because they were clearly illegally parked in front of where these this riverboat is supposed to go. Like, what are you arguing about at that point? But even if, like, even if I was absolutely furious, I cannot imagine a world in which I, you know what? I'm just going to take to fighting these people. Right, because that'll solve solution. it. That'll Let me solve grab it. a chair. Let me grab a chair and beat somebody with, I mean, what? And honestly, they are they own boats. They're doing better than ninety nine percent of us already. They'd be right. happy, right? Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, and it's like one thing that see, I'm watching this and I'm thinking, okay, like I think that's the correct instinct. You hear him saying, "Hey, help that guy out." I agree. There were four or five guys, uh, you know, berating this and physically attacking this one boat worker. Yes, but there was one guy who came in, and he appeared to be just trying to get people off, and not and then stop the fight. 
The other guys that came in, they just started pounding people. And it's like, that's not, that's not. Did they call 911? The cops were there. I mean, they were, the guys that was hitting people with the, with the chairs was doing this right in front of police officers. And then he eventually got arrested and then hauled off. So arrests were made. But this mindset, I don't understand it of, because things had died down and the people were getting ready to like take their boat and go off. And the ones that got arrested were getting arrested. And they jump back onto their boat and start fighting them again. Okay, the threat has passed at this point. You don't need to defend the guy anymore. But now it's vengeance. I think we talked about this on the podcast the other day. It Vengeance is for the lords to take. You can defend. And if you've got to use force to defend, that's fine. But you don't just go out and then pound people when the threat's already moved on. So that's the mindset that's troubling to see when people go beyond just defending themselves and then decide that they want to take this justice. And so many people cheering it on saying, yeah, that's right. And it's disturbing. The whole thing was a mess. So hopefully the people that went above and beyond what they should have done get with get the charges. They said they got at least four warrants coming. And we will see as that happens. But a wild scene nonetheless. And uh, I, you know, personally, I think race had less to do with it than just this is it's not somebody that says, hey, look, at there's someone as a different race than me. Let's fight. They clearly had a specific thing they were arguing over. And the two groups just happened to be of mostly this color and that color. So but that's where our nation's at right now. A lot of things end up becoming about race. So. All right, we're going to move over to the focus story now. And pastor and author Michael Youssef is warning about scriptural ignorance and the eventual rise of the Antichrist. So what's the story, Billy? How are these two married together here? You know, it is interesting. And it, of course, depends on what your theology is. Not everybody everybody believes there'll be a, a rise of the Antichrist eventually, but many Christians do. And what Youssef was essentially saying, I'm going to read a little quote here and then we'll break it down. He said, Biblical illiteracy is rampant and people are going to fall for deception, for false teaching, for anything because they're not grounded in the word of God. You know, it's it's interesting commentary. He's essentially saying here that if you believe in eschatology and the end of days, that you need to understand what the Bible says about it. And because fewer people seem to understand what the Bible says about anything— you're actually opening yourself up to be deceived. You might not know when these events are happening. You might not understand them, and you might be aloof. Um, and again, a lot of Christians, they believe the Antichrist, just to kind of give some context here, if people don't know, is a figure that is prophesied in Scripture. He'll rise up, gain power, and end up controlling pretty much everything going on in the world. And the belief among many is that this is an individual who will eventually require that people worship him, uh, which is, you know, this is obviously tied to Satan and the enemy, and that's a quick overview of it, but that's what he's speaking about here, this event that will happen at some point um, biblically in the future. Why do you think the comments here in this discussion, what do you think is the crux of it, why it matters? Yeah, so again, not everybody's going to agree with Yousef on the theology here with the Antichrist. Many Christians, again, do. I always have to say that because people get very worked up about end times topics based on the different camps they fall into. But here's why it does matter. You know, he got into different issues, you know, issues like homosexuality and what the Bible says. He said a lot of people in the church today, they're trying to be seeker friendly. And so he was talking to the Christian Post about this. And he said, look, you know, the issue of homosexuality, there are people out there who will say the God of the Old Testament was a God of vengeance. 
vengeance, you know, but the God of the New Testament is a God of love. He said, that's false. Um, on the on the other issue, he said, look, you know, the Bible, it says he made them men and women. He made them to fit in every way um, that they would be married, right? The traditional view on, on sexuality. He said, some of these churches out there, they'll say that it was only the Old Testament that conde- condemned, you know, homosexuality, not the new. So his point is why it matters there's a lot of confusion. When you're not biblically literate, you don't understand the issues of the day. When it comes to the end times and eschatology, you're certainly then not going to understand the complex nature of events to come. And that has ramifications for churches and believers you know, worldwide. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So what do you think Christians need to do right now to fix that? Well, we know that you know there's a 4% uh, biblical worldview percentage right now that just 4% of US adults have a biblical worldview. That is a crisis. Clearly the church is failing to train people up properly to understand the Bible. And really for individual Christians, right? It starts with reading the Bible daily, prayer, a relationship with God, making sure that we're keeping up on that, that the culture is not eclipsing the truth. And so what do we need to do? We need to get off our butts. We need to pray and be Christians, right? This is not a complicated thing. And yet we've gotten very, I think probably a lot of Americans, if we were honest, we spend 10 times as much time watching movies and TV, maybe 20 every week than we do reading our Bibles. And so this is clearly playing out you know, his comment about the end times is one thing, but pretty much every issue imaginable under the sun, this impacts everything, right? So it's yeah. important. No, absolutely. And I think there's been so much stuff created with a, with good intentions, like, like daily devotionals and things like that. But I think a lot of Christians, you talk about that 4% number, Billy, and I've thought about that. How, how, do we get, how did we get to that point to where, you know, people, 4% of Christians are actually like really in tune with scripture, right? Not that you have it all memorized, but you have a general sense of, of the bigger picture of, of all of scripture. And I think maybe we're doing ourselves a disservice here with overemphasizing on just doing your devotional and you're just ca- capturing little snippets and verses here and there out of context. I see the, the biggest failing I see, guys, see if you agree with this, is taking verses out of context. And, I, and even, and I'm guilty of this at times too, of just like, having heard a verse a bunch of times and heard it applied a certain way and not really knowing exactly the full, well, what did it mean to the original audience? What is it in the context of all of the other conversations going around? And I feel like to your point about reading scripture and being more tied to scripture to understand how these other issues all fall into place, we really need to do more of deeper studies, read bigger swaths of scripture, read whole books, understand how it fits in with all the rest of the books. And so I don't know if you guys agree with that assessment or not. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I think it is important to understand scripture and to have those conversations. I think that's why it's so critical for us as believers to be involved in a church community wherever we wherever we are, right? Because we have to be equipped to have these conversations, not because we're always going to be in a debate with an unbeliever or we're going to be faced with having to answer these really tough questions, because a lot of times we're not going to know the answer to some of these existential questions, but we know where to go to find the answer, right? We know to go to scripture. Uh, we know to go back to our community that's kind of helped us walk through these issues because we've learned to walk through them together. 
Uh, and I think that's that's why God gave us communities, because he knew we were going to come up against these questions. We we're going to face trials that bring about questions in our own lives. Uh, and the best way to handle those things is in is in community where we can have these conversations on these tough topics and not necessarily get to an exact answer, but get to an understanding that I don't have to know everything. I don't have to know how it's all going to break down because I know who God is. Yeah. Well, I was going to add to, you know, I agree with all that, but I, and I also think we have got to stop letting culture raise us and our kids. And what I mean by us, like adults, we're walking around, like we can watch whatever we want. We're safe from it. It's not a big deal. No, you're not. Everything you put in your mind, we've talked about this a million times. Everything that goes into your eyes changes your perception over time. That is how you get here collectively. Individuals have allowed themselves to be dumbed down and culture is raising everybody Parents are letting their kids go on social media. I have a 10-year-old. We're the weird ones because she, all of her friends are on social media and she's not. That is not okay. Even outside of the Christian sense, it's not okay. But I mean, I could go on and on. I think we, we have to start really putting a stake in the ground and not letting culture impact us. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, well, it's, it's true that when, like when I was growing up, I heard my parents say all the time, like garbage in, garbage out. And I don't know why people think that once you reach a certain age, uh, that stops being true. I think that's true for all of us. So, and I, even for myself, as I'm saying this, I need to think, what is it that I'm taking in and subconsciously without knowing it, it's impacting the way that I think, or it's um, maybe even watering down my reaction to things. Cause maybe there are things that 10 years ago I would have seen on TV and I would have been really disturbed by them. But then when I see a trailer for a movie now, that's along those lines, whatever it is, I'm not as triggered or bothered by it. And maybe that's a problem. Maybe we should be just as sensitive to things that are not of God. Yeah. Getting desensitized. And to your point about garbage in, garbage out, the other difference between, you know, your generation growing up, Trey, and even mine, which was kind of on the, the eve of the, you know, tech boom is it's not just garbage in now. It's like the entire dump in right now. There's, there's so much (laughs) information because, because of the, you can do it all day long. You can have your phone with you wherever you're going. Like when we went over to our friend's house, you had to ride your bike there and you didn't have a phone. You know, we were kind of laughing. My wife and I were talking about going, taking the kids to a, a park and she's asking if she should, if we should let them walk around. She's like, well, when we grew up, my mom just dropped me off there, but you didn't have any phone or anything like that where now kids can just sit. Basically, I'm saying you can bring the garbage in all day long. Whereas back in our day of growing up, Yes, you could have garbage in, but at least it was a lot less of it. It's the same point that you've got to really be aware of this and not just turn your screensaver on as a parent. And like Billy said, allow culture to raise them. Like, yes, like they're going to be able to have to touch culture. They're going to have to live in culture. They're going to have to swim with some of this and know what's going on. But there's no reason to just let your kid just be completely engulfed by culture and then hope they come out okay because it's, it's not going to work out well for you. Let's just let's just say that. But I think it I think it's an important topic and you know, hopefully if we get anything from that, hey, let's let's dive into our scripture, let's understand it better. And if that's you know what we think is the best thing, then maybe we should put that and work on putting that into our kids and ourselves uh, the most. So, all right, we are going to we're going to move over to the main thing now. Bob Fu, founder of China Aid, spoke with Trey recently about how God led he and his wife to launch China Aid and opened up about how believers in China and the West should pray not just for the persecuted, but also for the persecutors. That's today's main thing. 
why did you decide to, to launch China Aid? Because I think it would be easy to think I've escaped, I've escaped this persecution and communism, and I just want to live my own life separate and apart from that. What was your motivation in starting this organization? Thank you, Trey, for that question.、Um, the reason I,、uh, my wife and I established、uh, the Ministry of China Aid was primarily,、um, you know, out of、um, the calling,、um, you know, both from the scripture and the outcry of our persecuted brothers and sisters. I mean, the scripture in the book Hebrew tells us,、uh, uh, Hebrew thirteen three, remember those who are imprisoned. As if we are their fellow prisoners, and how can we remember them uh, without uh, really uh, reporting and knowing what's going on, and knowing their story of persecution, and praying for them, and、uh, helping them?、Uh, while I was a seminary student at the Westminster Theological Seminary, after we were accepted as refugees to the United States in 1997. Uh, every day, I have been hearing、uh, these outcries from our brothers and sisters、um, in China.、Uh, Sometimes live, basically, I can he- hear those uh, uh, brothers and sisters、uh, telling me, you know, they're coming, they're knocking our door, they broke into the church, they're picking up the Bibles, they're beating up、uh, these brothers and sisters.、Uh, children were crying. So you cannot sit idly、uh, when a fellow brother or sister in Christ uh, is, uh, you know, suffering uh, as uh, the same body of Christ,、um, different parts. So I,、uh, that's kind of the primary、uh, concern and motivation is uh, really uh, as a way to serve the Lord and、uh, feel、uh, one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffer.、Um, And、um, no matter where where they are in China, Iran, or North Korea, or Nigeria,、uh, they are、uh, one part of、uh, the same body of Christ, the same church.、Um, so th- that's、uh, how we started、uh, the Ministry of China Aid.、Uh, with the main purpose is to walk with the persecuted、um, by、uh, really exposing the abuses of the persecution. By encouraging those who are persecuted, and also by equipping uh, those uh, uh, grassroots leaders with the biblical worldview and、uh, rule of law trainings, so that's、uh, the China Aid mission. One of the benefits, I think, of of the internet and and social media is there's more exposure to this type of persecution of of Christians、uh, than the world has ever seen. There's more access into what's going on in China. Of course, it's still very restricted,、uh, and we're only getting bits and pieces of the story. But I wonder if you can talk a little bit about、uh, what it would take. Uh, for 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 this this trend of persecution in China, particularly against Christians, to turn around, how much more awareness does there need to be? What steps as a Western world do we need to take to respond to this issue? Yeah, I think there are two things、uh, at least、uh, we in the uh, for our uh, believers uh, in the West uh, can uh, beware and.、Um, Uh, and take action.、Uh, number one、um, is、um, yes. I mean the persecution is real. I mean the communists、um, in China literally declared war against the Christianity 
against any true faith traditions, and uh, especially, I think, a, a, a war against God, um, but, you know, by declaring a, a cross over the rooftop of the church building as the uh, enemy of the state, a national security threat, by taking down with force uh, for a removal, demolishing, and uh, burning of thousands of crosses, um, so this is a reality we should be aware, and we should certainly pray for those who are persecuted, and pray for the persecutors, for their repentance and uh, uh, forgiveness, <laughs> and uh, for their salvation, for Chairman Xi Jinping as well, uh, despite of him, his, his, uh, his uh, ruthless persecution. And number two is uh, we also need to um, know that uh, this, the end, the outcome of this war, has already been decided. I mean, who, how many uh, rulers, uh, uh, the, how, how much uh, ruthless they were, uh, had tried from the Roman emperor to the Stalin, uh, you know, and many others, um, King Jinglan. I mean, the number of Christians in China has reached to over 130 million. That's a 130-fold um, uh, church growth. Uh, in, that, in the past 70 years, despite of the uh, non-stop persecution by the Chinese Communist Party. So Xi Jinping uh, should be a little bit smarter, uh, uh, actually, uh, if he wants to uh, escalate, uh, accelerate the church growth, um, uh, just uh, uh, keep on going. His persecution uh, will prove uh, to be futile and doomed. Um, the God's church will never be destroyed, and God's people will never uh, be uh, torn down um, just uh, by simply jailing them physically. Uh, their souls and their prayer will never be stopped, even in their prison cells. All right, Trey, thanks for that conversation there. I mean, really inspiring to hear this story from Bob Fu and his family and how they started that. And like you said, Trey, like they're praying for the persecutors. Like that's that's something we should all strive for, but it's uh, it's it's not always easy in the moment. I'm sure it wasn't easy for him, although he makes it sound like it comes naturally to him. Yeah, it's an incredible story. I, Billy, you were also part of that conversation too, because it's a faith versus culture episode, which you can catch the full thing on YouTube. And I, it, it's so encouraging and also convicting from beginning to end. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to have time in the pod for one last thing. So we're going to look at Psalm 37.5, and it says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Such a short but powerful reminder, I think, for all of us. Yeah, no, it is. It's a powerful reminder for us to, you know, just cling to him and remember. We were talking about all this entertainment stuff. What really matters? Who should be our guiding force? Not the culture. Christ. All right. Good spot to leave it on this hump day. We're more than halfway home, ladies and gentlemen, towards the weekend. As always, get yourself on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise, we shall return tomorrow with more. Friday Junior's up next. God bless. We'll see you then.